All right, gang. We can now commence with the meeting of the after-school specials. Oh, Greg, you got the new tape? Dude, volcanic. Can we put it on? So long as you apes remember who's in charge here. Huh, well, that's kind of rude, but okay. Welcome to Video High, your B-movie education. In today's class, we're discussing 1991's Adventures in Dinosaur City. So give me some claw and let's take the roll call. Greg Hansen. Uh, I've never seen a movie so closely approximate the aesthetic of a third tier zoo without <laughs> featuring any actual animals, plants, <laughs> the outdoors. <laughs> Yeah, this is like a roadside attraction of a movie. Definitely. <laughs> Casey Regan. All right. I have a compromise that I think could bring the streaming studios to the table with the WGA. In return <laughs> for a binding agreement that minimum compensation be raised across the board and AI never forced into the writer's room, we agree that movies all have to be like this now. <laughs> <laughs> Low cost, high crazy. Max budget, 250K. <laughs> but studios literally have to finance every single insane idea. That's how they get the output they're looking for. And yeah, writers, I know that will bring down the high-end earning potential, but look at it this way. You'll be writing a new movie every three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Keep everyone employed. Casey, what does that K stand for? You said 250K. This looked like 250. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, come on. Those dinosaurs are pretty slimy. That's not 274. Josh <laughs> Roth. <laughs> As a dinosaur-obsessed 90s kid who wanted to be a paleontologist for a hot second, this film spoke to me on a cellular level. <laughs> and I cannot believe it was not more a part of my childhood. And I'm Jamie Kennedy saying, love the representation of a blonde nerdy girl with a retainer writing fan fiction for her favorite series where she winds up with the lead. That is one giant leap from Mary Sue Kind. <laughs> You're describing is no dessert dad till you mow the lawn. This was different. I swear it had dinosaurs. Well, excuse me if it's a little hard to narrow down. It was the 90s. Everything had dinosaurs in it. Hey, guys, I'm here with this week's movie, something I always hand deliver on a weekly basis for my extensive VHS collection. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Were we supposed to watch the movie tonight? I'm sorry, Greg. I forgot. I'm on the verge of a breakthrough. More like a breakdown. What's the, what's the problem? I've been desperately trying to remember a kid's movie I watched in the 90s on the Disney Channel, but all I can remember is a mushy blur of rubber suits, and I want to say cavemen? Oh, well, you might be in luck, because... I said not now, Greg! Breakthrough! I've created a machine that will allow me to search the TiVo of my brain to find pieces of entertainment <laughs> I watched as a kid that I can barely remember. Josh? Primary power, on. Wait, were you wearing lab coats this whole time? Goggles. Goggles. Type, dinosaur. 
Dino Soar. Ready? Ready. Oh my god. I did it. Well, you certainly did something. What came through the portal? It looks like a fast food cup with a dinosaur on it. Mmm. And, uh, with a salad inside it? Yes! Yes! It's a McDonald's salad shaker from the year 2000! It was their cross-promotion with the Disney movie Dinosaur! That's Aladar right on the cup! We've done it! Gimme claw! So you successfully made a fast food portal. Mm. I'm kind of hungry, actually. Could you summon me a McDLT? It's not for fast food. This machine pulled a piece of dinosaur-themed nostalgia from my memories and into our world. Lord, I miss these salad shakers every day. I probably had more salad during that time of my life than any point since. Ooh, there's so much wrong with that sentence. Jamie, wait a minute. It looks like the machine didn't just bring back a McDonald's dinosaur salad shaker. Oi, my head. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Hell, what the Mesozoic is going on around here? Who the fory? The name's Fory, and I don't remember booking any travel to Rocky territory. Actually, we're a lot closer to the Sierra Nevadas. The Rockies are much further. I think this dinosaur is from that movie I'm trying to remember. Fory, tell me everything about where you come from. Well, I come from Dinosaur City. <laughs> we dinosaurs live side by side with Cro-Magnon, who we call Rockies. <laughs> and we're constantly fighting for freedom from their oppressive boss, Mr. Big. My best bud is Rex, and his best bud is a triceratops named Tops. Jamie, any of this nonsense ringing a bell? Not in the slightest. But maybe if we help Fori get back to Dinosaur City, it will help jog my memory. I just need to reverse the polarity on the machine, hook it up to this remote, and then... Oh! I really don't think you need me here for this sketch, but whoops, here I go! <laughs> Ouch, my rear is dinosaur. Where the hell went the Ceratops are we? Eric, very kind to put us up, Zippo. Oh, no, not at all. I find you a very interesting species. Oh, man. I remember this TV movie. This is the 2002 film Dinotopia, in which two brothers get transported into a world where humans and dinosaurs kind of evolve together into a utopian medieval society. Oh, what the Stone Age is that thing? Oh, that? That's just Wentworth Miller from the show Prison Break. Not him. The other thing. Uh, that's another dinosaur. You know, uh, the thing that you are? Nuh-uh. That thing ain't nothing like me. Its movement's too fluid. Its eyes have more action but seem more dead. And where's its rubber-like skin? Oh, okay, this is starting to make sense. That can't possibly be true. <laughs> of course Fory wouldn't recognize these dinosaurs. He's a puppet, and they're early CGI. And I'm talking Final Fantasy The Spirits Within level CGI. <laughs> and Fory clearly comes from a world where the dinosaurs are Henson ripoff, dark crystal-like nightmares. Damn, you're right. We haven't traveled far back enough. We need to dig deeper into my deep-cut dinosaur memories. Let's try again. Oh, 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 I know I'm a fly 
flying dinosaur, but I'm really getting airsick. This guy, a lot of quips, huh? A regular quiposaurus, you could say. I would not. Well, now everything looks animated, but not CG. It seems like we've entered the second dimension. It's It smells familiar, though. Roll back the rock. Turn back the clock. Roll back the rock to the dawn of time and sing this song with me. I'd recognize that noxious hot dog and trash fill odor anywhere. We're in New York City. I know this one. This is Amblin Animation's We're Back a Dinosaur Story. Yes, I can feel us getting closer both in time and plot. Hmm, maybe that's why we can't accurately get a fixed location to travel to. There's so many overlapping dinosaur-themed properties from the 90s. They're all a mush. That's literally what I said in the second line of this sketch. I'll try to get more specific. Dinosaurs plus children. Go, go, Gadget Portal! Still go! I love you. You love me. Nope, nope, abort! genuinely like this more than Jurassic Park. Oh, uh, I will. Josh oh, Josh is leaving. Damn it. We've gone too far. We must have crossed the streams and ended up into our own podcast episode on 1993's Carnosaur. <laughs> Bobcats. Podcastception. We podcasters were so preoccupied with whether or not we could, we didn't stop to think if we should. <laughs> episode 20, True Believers. <laughs> Please, I can't handle any more of this multiverse nonsense. There's a reason I don't watch mainstream movies, you know? But this looks a lot closer. The Rockies in this seem just a little too flannelly. <laughs> but those dinos are almost spot on to my friends. All right, we've got enough juice for one more jump. Wait, only one more jump? Then how are we going to get Let's home? Let's do this! Boop, boop, portal! <laughs> Uh, I love this jump is the jump home! Fori, what do you think? Is this right? Fori, my dino, where have you been? Give me some claw! Home, sweet home! May I never see another weird future, Rocky, for as long as I live. Fori, I want to introduce you to my friends, Timmy, his baby sister, Jamie, and her boyfriend, Mick. They accidentally got transported to Dinosaur City, and they're helping us stomp out the Rockies. Count me in. So is this it, Jamie? Is this the movie you were trying to remember? Maybe it's not so much the plot of the movie I was meant to remember, but rather the feeling it gave me. As a little kid seeking solace in the warmth of the TV's glow, I think it was the idea of kids getting accidentally sucked into their favorite television show that inspired something in me. And then as I grew older, it transformed into a figurative hope of being part of television and helping other television viewers be transported in more metaphorical ways. Maybe even though I can't remember any of the specifics of this movie, it nevertheless inspired me. That or dinosaurs were just really cool to kids in the 90s. Yeah, maybe that too. Okay, now that we've solved the mystery, how do we get home? You said that last portal was the last bit of juice we had. Don't worry, I packed a plan B. Is that a Nerf gun? When I was a kid, I saw a commercial where a kid shot a Nerf dart at the TV screen and the people on the TV reacted to it with frustration. This led me to believe that the suckers on a Nerf dart had the magical property of being able to interact with the TV screen. And maybe, 
Just maybe, if I shot one at the TV and held onto it afterwards, the characters on the screen would be able to pull me into the television to join their shows. Wait, seriously? But I never got to test that theory <laughs> because my mom wouldn't let us have weapons in the house except for my dad's handgun that he kept in the cabinet next to the Halloween candy. <laughs> for the record, yes, these are all true facts about Jamie's childhood. It was Schrodinger's teleportation nerf. But today, today we get to test that theory. Everyone, look back out at the screen we originally came from. Uh, hey guys. Sorry I'm late to Video High Movie Night. Uh, you haven't started the movie yet, have you? Casey, look over here! Oh, whoa, 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 how'd you guys get into the TV? Are we pivoting to a video podcast? Casey, when you see a purple dart hit the screen, pull on it. Everyone else, hold on to me! I have a million questions, but you got it. One, two, three! Oh! I cannot believe that worked. This is an episode fueled by Jamie's kid brain logic. Truly anything <laughs> is possible. Well, now that I can rest easy knowing that I've solved the mystery of the movie I kind of remembered watching, we can get down to business. Greg, what movie did you bring for the podcast this week? Oh, I hate circular storytelling. Long ago, back before our time, way, way before there were turtles. The world was ruled by dinosaurs. They were big. They were awesome. And they really knew how to party. Don't jump in a crater. I know your parents are supposed to be like these brilliant scientists or something. But I always wonder how they really make a living in here. To me, positive you know what you're doing. Do you want to see dinosaurs or not? Tim, Jamie, and Mick. Three great kids about to become three brave heroes when they enter another dimension. That was no earthquake. And come face to face with the most colossal prehistoric adventure ever. See Adventures in Dinosaur City. Gimme Claw. So Jamie kind of remembered this I movie? I kind of remembered this movie. <laughs> we sat through like the first 20 minutes and Jamie just the whole time was like, I think I remember this. And then I gave up watching a lot of it and then just went to YouTube to look for commercials of the Disney Channel in that time to prove that it did air on the Disney Channel. And it did. Successfully oh, it sure proven. Did. Jamie, I'd be upset, maybe to a certain amount, disturbed and worried by the <laughs> amount of time you just spent sort of diagnosing your own memories and frankly mental illness uh, concerning nostalgia and this movie if during the course of this movie i didn't have a like manchurian activation moment when that little fuck fory like was singing to tinkerbell yes going and I was like, oh, I remember this! No, I remember this! I've seen this before! How are you in there? How are you so deep in there, Adventures in Dinosaur City? The, the more amazing part about this movie is I clearly watched it probably multiple times as a kid on the Disney Channel. And then I watched it last night. 
And then I watched it again today, and I'll be damned, guys, if I can remember anything about this no. movie. <laughs> this movie is this movie is the most insane acid trip wallpaper you've ever seen. You're looking at the wildest shit you've ever seen, and your brain just wipes itself. It's a fucking yeah. etch a sketch. Yeah. yeah. That just that's that self-erases at the end of every scene. Watching this movie is putting your brain through trauma. And your brain is erasing it for your well-being <laughs> that's the thing that's why the only thing that pops out to me is that <laughs> because it's like a tone it's got a scale to it which if i am you know shooting a senator or something it's because of the sound he makes to activate that tinker about i don't know what it'll make me do but it will make me do something <laughs> this is the movie version of michelle remembers except it's every viewer having watched it and then they see it again and, they, and all the memories and they go like, oh, I, w- I was killed as a child by Satanists. <laughs> I'm so mad I never saw this movie. I can't uh, believe that you I know missed of, it. That you know You have of. no idea. Yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah, you you don't know. You I don't know. Everyone else seems to have it. like a flashback <laughs> moment, and I didn't have that. I wish I did. I wish I did. Uh, it just means you got to go to more therapy, yeah, Josh. You exactly. got to do the work to unlock these memories inside you. Like what you need to do to this movie, you need to sort of do work to make it structural. (laughs) You have to do a little of the lifting to make it structural. I'm also connecting to like, and Jamie, you had a freak out moment where you were trying to remember this movie. It's like, wait, you guys would tell me if you were simulations, right? (laughs) Start doing the Blade Runner thing. What about a a turtle is on its back? Do you flip it over or do you go watch Adventures in Dinosaur City? (laughs) A small winged dinosaur can't fly. (laughs) Do you leave it or carry it with you for the rest of the day? Greg was about to say something. No, I mean... We wiped his brain clean. As everything, nothing I'm going to say about this movie means anything. Yep. There's one Stick. thing we can say. Patrick Labert. Labert. Yes, yeah. sure, we sure can say that. And Patrick. he sure probably doesn't like that we've said it. <laughs> <laughs> Keep our fucking former podcast guest name out of your out fucking of your mouth. mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he remembers being in this movie? I, we need to know. I, I mean, he's just a voice. My guess is that this this was not a wait, half whoa, whoa, whoa. day max. He's, he's not just a voice. No, he has two voices. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You are right. <laughs> Hero and villain. Yeah. Yeah. Rex and the Mr. Big. The of dinosaur. He is the alpha and omegasaurus Rex. <laughs> I think my guess is that the, he, what he remembers from this day is leaving to get lunch. And never coming back. <laughs> I was surprised by both voices. I feel like I quickly looked at IMDb and saw Patrick as Rex. And then and during the end credits, which I had to listen to because this oh, had yeah. two <laughs> thematic theme songs. Oh, yeah. Written for the movie theme songs during Amazing. the credits. Amazing. Spoiled. Spoiled us. Adventures in Dinosaur City. Spoiled us.
I mean, but it was a movie where there didn't seem to be such thing as a bad idea, right? Oh, no, yeah. (laughs) This is a throw spaghetti at the wall movie. This movie sure is about throwing spaghetti at the wall. And you know that because the first credit is a man named Luigi. (laughs) (laughs) And just the subtle infusion of Italianness onto this movie Mm. gave me a level of. um, Oh, yeah, you can taste it. Comfort. Comfort (laughs) in knowing where exactly this movie was going to go. I mean, this, to put it in a timeline, this movie is uh, the same year that Dinosaurs comes out, right? Yep. The Henson sure show. Yep. One of the guys did, yeah, both the animatronics for this and for Dinosaurs and for Theodore Rex. But I also, just setting it in the timeline, want to bring everyone's attention to the poster for a second, which has a subtle dig right in, Wait, the, th- in the tagline where it said... Long before there were turtles, the what? world was ruled by dinosaurs. Oh, so it shit. Is oh, digging yeah. the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles movie from the year before, being like, we can do it too. Meanwhile, it has two dinosaurs on it that are vague uh, resemblance to Rex and Tops, uh, high fiving a child that is not in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> The child who's out of this movie, who is subsequently, besides the voice of Patrick Laberto, is the biggest oh, star yeah. Yeah. in oh, yeah. the yeah. movie. And, you know, why would you put him on the poster? Well, yeah. Why would don't, you do that? Don't, don't sell do that. him. <laughs> <laughs> who would later be the star of Hocus Pocus also. like hey, Not that much later. Not, not that like, much later. Like, like, it's it's insane they didn't reissue the VHS with uh, just his face yes, on it. Featuring Omri Katz from Hocus Pocus. <laughs> well, no, they knew, they knew what they had, and what they had was dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lizards rule. This movie is dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not one of the taglines. No, not one of the jokes in the movie. No. Of which are the sweatiest puns. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I felt at home. Yeah. It felt like being so in my hard. own brain. It was great. <laughs> Hello, fellow classmates. It is I, Sherman Williams, president of the Amateur Archaeological Research <laughs> Program, or AARP, as you might know it. And I am here to give you the Act 1 synopsis for Adventures in Dinosaur City. Thankfully, this is AARP certified as extremely accurate to how Dinosaur <laughs> City may actually look, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Welcome to the world of dinosaurs an animated children's show that has captured the hearts and minds of all the 30-somethings who are 21 jump-streeting in the Toronto metropolitan area. We open on Jamie, a girl with glasses, who is surely going to have a She's All That reveal. But before that, I personally am sure is either the mother or at least the babysitter of Timmy, the only legitimate child in this kid's movie about kids. She is reading some dinosaur fan fiction because it's the 90s and we were all bored then. Also, there is another adult who has been left in the seventh grade for absolutely refusing to wash his hair, Mick. These three quote-unquote friends, and I fear I will be putting many terms in quotes for this synopsis, pop in the new tape Timmy has procured of their favorite TV show, Dinosaurs, which doesn't look at all like an episode of Flintstones in the slightest. Meanwhile, in Meet the Hollowheads, a pair of quote-unquote scientists 
are dematerializing and rematerializing and orange using the laser from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and graphics from Lawnmower Man. They're doing some sort of portal creation and they're almost ready to put a human through. The final test. Despite the two scenes being fairly disparate, we learned that the scientist's lab is actually in Timmy's house because they are his parents and they are about to hightail it. And that's a better dino joke than this movie Busters. And I didn't even mean to make it. <laughs> They're about to hightail it to a conference to show their science friends before they embark on their final test. Once gone, Timmy breaks into the lab to watch the episode on the big screen in the lab. Now, as you can surmise, Timmy unwittingly turns on the laser and beams them into another dimension and into their favorite show. Now, if you were to ask, does that mean Timmy's parents were working on a laser that transports people into ideas, concepts, works with lore, but no material component? The answer to that is, I do not know. <laughs> but they Pleasantville themselves and wake up in Star City. Not Dinosaur City, like in the title, but Star City, like what I do when I run in wet shoes. <laughs> They are in Sora City Power Plant, and Fori, a small pteranodon that looks like my cousin Rocco before he started lifting weights, <laughs> thinks the kids are Rocky spies. Now, Rockies are, in fact, Neanderthals, who promptly show up looking like a community theater troupe doing Clan of the Cave Bear, but with strong old York accents. <laughs> you get it? Because it's not New York. It's before <laughs> New York. It's old yeah. York. Yeah. They, really? they, do you get it, though? Prehistoric. It's if, yes. Prehistoric York. Yes, thank you. They steal the power source of the city, which will soon cause the magma meltdown of Source City. If they don't get it back from the Rockies, who are working for the nefarious Mr. Big. Fori thinks they're crazy, but Timmy and co. know more than the rest of the cast, so they make a plan to set off to Tar Town to find Tops and Rex, the two supposed heroes of the show, to talk them into helping take down Mr. Big and save the day. But they'll have to go through the graveyard to get there, something no lizard has ever lived through. I wonder what fate awaits them. So first of all, what? <laughs> That's a good question, Jamie. And I counter with, huh? <laughs> yeah. May I follow up? <laughs> Before we get into it, I do want to have a quick pour some out. I do miss old live action movies that started with complete animated openings like yeah. Christmas yeah. Vacation, The Pink Panther, this, all those kind of movies that led me to believe I the was classics. watching in, the classics that I was watching an animated movie before it turned into uh, a boring adult movie. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, the opening of this movie looks like it was artwork done in a Chili's bathroom. <laughs> But, but Greg, did you notice how the cave painting sometimes looked like the job of the person on the credit on the screen? Like sometimes there was... I honestly uh, didn't. Like, like dinosaurs <laughs> played saxophone during the composer's credit. I mean, there was a lot of thought put into this, Greg. 
Yeah, this opening looks like if Looney Tunes was made in like Sedona, Arizona <laughs> by yeah. Tex-Mex Avery. <laughs> but it sounded like it was scored by Danny Elfman if he was asked to write a national anthem. It's crazy to me that the composer did basically nothing else. That's I, not crazy to me. <laughs> but like he's ripping off it, Beetlejuice. Like, yes. The, like it sounds exactly like the opening credits to Beetlejuice as well. But then you add like some yeah, like horn, um, sexy um, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this might have been. Danny Elfman working for scale. And then when he saw the movie, he was like, mm, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll, I'll working for scale. <laughs> <laughs> Again, these are all better than the jokes in the movie. So we never get any confirmation of who the hell Jamie is, right? None. No, I, I thought it was her sister. No, like, they're all just friends, friends, I think. I think they're just friends, which is crazy. It doesn't make any it's sense. Insane. Why are they friends with this little child? <laughs> like, you need to either explain to me that Timmy and Mick are friends somehow, and that Jamie is his sister, or Mick is his brother, which we know is not true. Yep. Right. Just, none of these dynamics make any sense. Nope, it's insane. All they share is this love for this this cartoon that apparently the only way you can watch it is through a like a vast network of people loaning you VHS tapes. <laughs> well, that's not that's real. That is that's, how people that's used Greg's to do life. It. That's Greg's life today. You got the new tape, dude? Volcanic. Come on, Tim, put it on. As long as you have to remember who's in charge here. Seemingly, the only thing they like about each other is. That they all like dinosaurs. It's then also crazy because they start watching this show, which puts them into a conniption fit. They all know the choreography for this animated television show. And then afterwards, Timmy starts to fucking dino-splain to Jamie <laughs> like she's never seen the show before. Yeah. I'm like, motherfucker, she's got it down. See, Jamie, you're going to be a real writer. This is what you gotta write. You know, dinosaurs about this really awesome world where your friends are sores will take a chunk out of anybody who skates. Here's my theory, and I don't know if everyone else has this theory. I can almost guarantee you we don't. Okay, okay, so this laser, <laughs> jumping ahead a little bit, does send Please. them into the concept of an idea, and we all <laughs> assume it's sent into the VHS that he put into the TV. But what if they were sent into Jamie's fan fiction? It ends the same way Jamie was describing in her Wait, story. Wait, does? Yes. It thought about everything they'd been through. The perilous swamp, the treacherous tower, the darkness of Rainbow Cavern. They stood together exhausted from their adventure. Rick stared into her eyes for a long time. Then his great green lips curled sadly back from his fangs. And his voice was soft as he said, It's too bad it couldn't have worked out between us. But at least we'll always have Tartan. You've got to be pulling my tail. That's your idea of a dinosaur story? Rex says to Jamie, at least we'll always have Tartown as they that leave. That does happen. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is also disgusting. Yes, yeah, it is. that's yes, awful. It, is. That, it does imply they've been fucking yes, in Tar Town. It does. And what else happens in this movie? She winds up with the boy she has a crush on. She becomes super hot when she takes off her oh glasses. Oh, God. Is this her fan <laughs> I think they got okay. transported into Yo. Jamie's fan fiction. Yo. Jamie, you knew. You know, you know yeah. exactly what, what would happen. Oh, God. And just like a girl's fan fiction from the, from the 90s, it would have to be told through the eyes of a boy. Yep, yep. Exactly. <laughs> in order to get it sold. And she she's the one who looks at the map and goes we should go through this graveyard yes. to get to tar town and they're like wait there's never been a graveyard yes. in the yes. show oh my god there's stuff that that is not in the show yeah, it's, and it's I was all coming out of jamie's that. head <laughs> wow oh. all right okay well, case closed good episode y'all <laughs> yes <laughs> Between this and Jamie's three-hour book report, we should be <laughs> should be about done. So they're friends because they watch television shows together. Yeah. No, no, no. Television show. show. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Television to be show. Fair, Timmy does kind of talk about how his life absolutely fucking sucks ass. He yeah. wants to stay in fake world because he's like, yo, the real world is. Tough he was fantasizing me. about do- living in Dune. Who fantasizes yeah. about living in crazy. Dune? <laughs> I feel like the point of Dune is it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. sucks he got to be really in Dune. down with the idea of the spice. Send it out for molecular test today. Ten points over the time. <gasps> ten? Oh my god. Gil, our plane leaves at ten. Conference of interdimensional physics. Remember? Oh, right. Oh. Wait a minute. Dina. It's perfect. We've got the data. We've got the proof. Right. Right. It'll be the easiest station they'll never forget. And I said it couldn't be done. We can just make it. Okay. We leave everything set up. Uh-huh. And then when we get back, you'll be ready for the final test. Sending, Sending a, a living being. Right. <laughs> that device is truly maddening. I love when Timmy finally sort of grapples with it in act two and he realizes like the implication of what his parents have done. Yeah. It's the Willy Wonka kill Mike TV. Yeah. <laughs> like those, the, yes, the, yes. Timmy's mom and dad developed it. I don't know what the fuck they were doing at the beginning. We cut to the lab, yes, so quick, the lab. which is yes. like such a hallmark. Where of like, were they that, transporting that the me. orange from? Good question. From or to or yeah. I mean, I'm not, I really was like, wow, we just went in to meet the Hollowheads. Yeah. yeah. Which I mean, it makes, makes sense. sense. Yes, because one of the writers, Lisa Morton, co-wrote uh-huh. Meet the Hollowheads. And I was like, this is nuts. Yeah. It's bananas. <laughs> no oranges in this case. But. Or aren't you glad we didn't say banana, Greg? <laughs> aren't you glad we didn't? <laughs> uh, yeah, nice. Thanks, Pori. That's the thing is they're sending an orange into a TV screen for whatever reason. It gets shot out and whatever. They seem happy about it and they're heading to a convention. According to IMDb, there was a scene that was cut that was them at the convention, which I cannot even imagine what that scene would be. Oh, thank goodness, because I, after those scenes in the lab, I was like, too much scientist. Get me out of here. And then it cuts. It's like, and they're Timmy's parents. Oh, oh no. no. I was like, 
trying to figure out, okay, how the hell are these scientists going to interact with the kids? Where are these two things going to... Inter- oh, they're his parents. Thank God okay. they oh, never wow. did beyond it. I love that he Marty McFly's himself into the TV. Well, Honey, We Shrunk the Kids was just such a successful movie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this movie is a great example of like, if you steal, if you're making like a ripoff movie, right? And you steal from like one or two movies, it's very obvious. If you steal from like a whole mess of movies, it's art. <laughs> That's Tarantino, baby. That's yeah. This movie'd be borrowing. Be borrowing like crazy. You know, oddly, it doesn't borrow from the borrowers. Josh, you know how to tell a joke like that to make it work. Oddly. <laughs> Come on. It did borrow from the borrowers. (laughs) (laughs) Pory. You know, just always works. It always gets to me. Hey, what in the hot wob is going on here? It's, uh, it's, uh. No way. Yes, way. It's Pory and we're dinosaurs. Except it's like Larry D now. I thought you needed... (sighs) Special glasses or something for 3D. Look, you can't pull anything over on me. Uh-uh. I know you apes gotta be Rocky spies, and it won't do you any good to try and get it out of me. When we meet Fori, <laughs> it is truly the moment that my brain oh, imploded. I mean, they're sucked into that TV for so goddamn long. <laughs> this movie long constantly sequence. hesitates. You know, the machine starts and a bunch of lights come up and they're floating in the air. Whoa! <laughs> oh, 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 oh. It's like, come on. <laughs> the orange didn't take this long. They just looped. They just looped in a bunch. It's a bunch of Boomerangs. And then they're sucked into the Doctor Who intro and yeah. they're just like falling <laughs> through it for forever. And I, I I sort of love that because that to me was just like, look, we spent a whole day shooting teenagers on wires. We're going to use all of that. Look, the, we, we got to make the lawsuit worth it. <laughs> yeah, they do get Nick Arcaded into this TV yeah. show and they end up in what I could best describe is for the rest of the movie in a New Jersey themed restaurant. Yes. Yes. They they spent the rest of the movie in the Rainforest Cafe after hours. No, there's literally a moment where the camera hangs on the matte painting of the tower and they try to go a little wider and you can like see the edge of everything. (laughs) 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 Like you, there are no illusions that you are in a different world. You are on a set. Which kind of works for the meta-ness of their in a TV show. show. Yeah, this movie walks so last action hero could run. (laughs) God, I love the idea of John McTiernan watching this movie and being like, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they meet Fori, who, Fori. Mick, who Mick calls his hero. And Wait, wants Mick, his Mick autograph. Is he hero? Yes. yes. He's yes. like, hey, Fori, can I get your autograph? You're kind of my hero. That's insane. Yes. And it's the saddest sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> these kids are w- one hour away from severe heroin addiction. Like, <laughs> yeah. These kids have nothing in their lives. They it's don't crazy. have anything going on it is crazy how little yeah they're they're real losers they just watch these vhs (laughs) movies and talk about them 
<sighs> Usually Josh is the one who kills the momentum. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the shoes on the other claw. <laughs> What? <laughs> the puppetry. The puppet, yeah. Is incredible. Yeah. It's amazing in how yeah, bad a, it is. He it's is so a good. hand puppet. Yeah, and it's too chonky, so his mouth yep. can never fully close. Yeah. Which maybe what endeared me to him, because I sure did love Forey, despite he was yeah. real fucking annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I loved him so much, and then there was a moment, like 30, 40 minutes in, where I just was like, I don't, I don't like him anymore. <laughs> oh, he, he sucks. He sucks big time ass most of this movie, but... But you're rooting for the little guy. Yeah, he's exactly. Hero. Yeah, he's just being pulled along on this adventure despite contributing nothing to anything. <laughs> the, the the plot to, nor the entertainment. To call this an adventure <laughs> despite the title is a bit of an overstatement. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a straight line through a map, really, and then back. <laughs> oh speaking, of, speaking of map, we get a map of this little world, this universe, uh, you know, very, like, basic. We get it a couple times in the intro to the cartoon, which, by the way, rips shit. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the, the shit out of that show. The dinosaurs cartoon intro theme is... Great. Slimy scales are scattered around when Mr. Big becomes a story. Call on Rex and Tops and Forey Dinosaurs. This is the best. Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. But you see a little vague map in that, and then when they get to. Somewhere. Uh, the factory. Somewhere. The factory. Tartown, right? No, no, because they're going to Tartown. Oh, they're going to Tartown. Right, they're at the power plant, and the Rockies have stolen the fuse that means in 24 hours, <laughs> lava's about to engulf Sore City. Seems like a design flaw. Yeah, they have a map of the whole world, and they show us, like, Tartown's up here, Sore City's down here, Graveyard, we'll take the Graveyard to get here, and for a movie that took so much of an effort to explain this to us. They go back and forth so I'm like, where's fucking Mr. Big's tower? Yeah, like, no I'm idea. lost. No idea. Basically, in a movie where that shouldn't matter. You're in a st yeah, you're yeah. in dinosaur in the title is the name of a location when <laughs> you don't use. <laughs> yes. But like in the title is the name of a location that could have explained all of it. Every place could have been Dinosaur City. Yep. It is crazy. But they, they show us a map it. that's like Tartown's up here, Sorcery's up here, Graveyard over here, where there's a train that goes around Mr. Big's Towers elsewhere in fucking Mordor. I also was not connecting that Tartown was like tar, like... You like, know, the, like the like, tar pits? Like the tar pits. Yeah, black tar for, heroin. Yeah. For, for, <laughs> for most of my notes, I was for some reason spelling it T-A-U-R, and I'm like, what does that, like, dino tar? Oh, uh, like, like sore town yeah, and tor town. Yeah, tor -town. <laughs> you, have been, you have over-engineered yes. this, the, absolutely the simplest movie <laughs> I've ever it seen is. in my life. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen a movie that's just Richard Harrison shooting people, and this <laughs> is simpler than that. It is funny that this movie is the same year as the Dinosaurs television show. Crazy. And three years before Jurassic Park. And Flintstones. Movie. Different Flintstones, but yes, well, that's Flintstones. The Spielberg live-action Flintstones, yeah. <laughs> and it's just crazy because this movie, DNA-wise, is much closer to, like, 
a Sid and Marty Croft show yeah. than it is Ooh, yeah. the, the shit that's coming out at the literal same time. Like this, that's this movie yeah. even like looks like Land of the Lost and not <laughs> and not oh. the new one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. This movie does yearn for. Not really the dinosaur of modernity, but the dinosaur of of classic television. Yes. Like, they really wanted someone to say, it's a living. Well, instead, they settle for, like, I'm petrified. And, like, <laughs> for roaring out loud. Like I'm going this... to start using go jump in a crater as an insult. I love it. <laughs> there are some movies that we've watched where we've talked about it feeling like they needed a few more drafts. This movie... I don't even think got a draft. No, no. it's no. crazy it was like placeholder. how. Yeah, this is be, this is a outline that was then <laughs> filled. This, this is cocktail napkin level writing. <laughs> yeah, like if you told me that they had written all the kids dialogue and inside the latex dinosaur suits, those performers were just like screaming. <laughs> like, no, I can't breathe. Are you talking to me? What, oh, what's going on out there? I'd be like, yeah, and then we just, we'll get Patrick Labuto to just, you know, fill it in later. And then they ran out of money because they bought too many foam, like, set pieces, and so then they could only have Patrick for that three hours to do both voices, and they were like, you're good, you did some improv, he's like, yeah, I did some improv, and they went, great. Perfect. (laughs) And maybe that's why they credited the people in the latex suits at the top of the credits, then left, like... R.I.P. Yeah, basically. Like starring everyone who sweat to hell while we were shooting this and then like left like 10 line breaks and they were like, and the rest of the cast, of course. <laughs> In memoriam. Yeah. <laughs> They're fossils now. <laughs> They really extinct in those suits. <laughs> oh, God. Bory. Bory, the camp fly. Oh, no. We're hearing here. more, Bory. I'm oh, here to tell God. you all about just Act like two. the movie. More, Bory. The kids and I oh. just arrived at Extinction Grove. Tartan was in sight. But to get there, we had to cross a perilous, smoky river. Compare notes. We cannot have this much fury on the podcast. Yes, we can. Yes, we. Yes, we the, can. The movie proves that you, in fact, can have this much fury. <laughs> and, and let me just say, listeners, hope you're not sick of it yet. <laughs> That's a bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> Foreshadowing. I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> let me just say, I'm gonna let you finish, Josh. But let me just say, Greg had the best foray pun of all time. But to get there, we had to cross a perilous, smoky river by climbing through the bones of a triceratops. Mick's bully-induced aquaphobia caused him to go tumbling into the water. I knew we were goners for sure. Timmy rescued Mick with a bone or or a pole or, I, I don't know, something long. And then a giant snake reared its ugly head out of the river. Timmy called it a mesosaurus, but it looked more like a Spencer's Giftosaurus to me. <laughs> we made a run for it and arrived in Tartown. We went looking for Rex in a seedy barn run by two salacious crumbs. What a dump! 
The musical act wasn't too shabby, though. Hubba hubba, that Raquel and her million BCs can rock my Stone Age anytime. <laughs> While she was playing her tunes, both Jamie and Mick got swept off their feet by sexually forward dinos. Timmy and I waited by the bar. I guess there's no minimum drinking age in Tartown, because the bartender was more than willing to serve Timmy a drink called the Primordial Ooze. Timmy tried to convince Rex to help save Sore City from being melted by recounting all of his past exploits. But Tops was creeped out by the tiny ape's omniscient knowledge. Rex muttered something about how people in Sore City wouldn't help him because of his daddy issues or something. Then trouble walked in in the form of a bunch of Geico cavemen called the Rockies. Their leader insulted Rex's aforementioned daddy and a bar fight broke out. Rex and Tops did some kind of synchronized dance move and yelled a catchphrase that, to be honest, I never really caught. Th thunder something? Uh, I don't know. Rex and Tops bowled over the Rockies, complete with sound effects. So we went back to Sword City to hide out in my treehouse until the heat from the fight died down and before the heat from the Lada died us up. It's around that time that Timmy started to really reckon with the power of his parents' device. If Dinosaur City existed, what about the Hobbits? Every idea that's ever been thought up could exist somewhere in the infinite cosmos. Real heady stuff, but whatever. There was more backstory to uncover. Rex took Timmy on a field trip to Skull Island. Well, not the Skull Island, but a Skull Island to show him a <laughs> monument of his dad. Turns out it used to be the center of Sore City. There was a big war between the Allosauruses and I guess every single other dinosaur. <laughs> it had traitor graffiti onto it, which Rex said was because his dad turned Sore City over to the last Allosaurus, Mr. Big. More like traitor source, Rex. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mr. Big's rocky henchman with the goofiest voice, this side of an improv troupe, ambushed the treehouse. Conveniently, that's just when Rex and Timmy were getting back. Together, Tops and Rex used their Three Stooges martial arts to fight off Mr. Big's goons. Mick wanted in on the action. While cowering in fear, Tommy remembered he had his parents' high-tech clicker. Just before Rocky could caveman his skull in, Tommy zapped him with it. I guess it can do more than just open portals. Well, that's it for me. It's a recap. I'd like whoever's editing this episode to let me go back and redo the Act <laughs> 1 synopsis as Fori. <laughs> Hello, fellow classmates. <laughs> <laughs> Fori is to. the greatest character in fiction. Uh, Fori oh. is like a bullet shot at Video High's heart. <laughs> oh my god. Shot to the heart. And you're to blame. Four to blame. Oh, it's amazing how little work you need to put into things if you just say it with that. Like, yeah, that right? Voice. It just works. It sells everything. They knew what they were doing in this movie. What they didn't know what they were doing was setting up people's various phobias, but only for the scene in which they were relevant. Yeah, so Mick had aquaphobia and uh and for and fear of heights 
And if, oh yeah, and a fear of heights. Jamie had arachnophobia. arachnophobia way in the beginning of the Which movie. Never came back. Not like, once. That would nope. have been a really cool thing to come back at some point if there was like a prehistoric spider that attacked them. But nope, nope. We Timmy used the arachnophobia to get her diary once, and then that never ever comes back. And Timmy's just I don't know immune to everything and the most powerful being in the cosmos. <laughs> well, that's because he hates his life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't scare someone who scares the shit out of themselves right he's got nothing to lose no the star of this movie is timmy not elon musk (laughs) (laughs) say it as four ian alex (laughs) elon musk joke elon musk's not in this movie (laughs) there we go they make so many pounds about like going to the graveyard and they're like it's no one ever comes out alive they they literally wake up like the biggest monster, you know, like the fucking final yeah. guy before Sephiroth in Final <laughs> Fantasy VII or whatever, who just is like, all right, like does absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing. They leave. They have like a snake moment and then it raises up into the frame. And they run away and that same snake just lowers back out of the frame. So funny. This is when she gets, she's all that in, right? At the treehouse, yes. Um, she, well, she pulls a Velma first. Yes. Where she loses her glasses in, in the, in like, the brawl, big brawl. In the bar brawl. Oh, they're in the brawl, And yeah. she's, like, crawling along on the floor. This movie has, owes a lot to Hanna-Barbera. <laughs> I mean, there's also the moment where Mick, like, punches oh someone, my God. a caveman's head like a, like a Three Stooges We moment. haven't really talked about the sound effects because the Boobie. sound effects of this movie are off of a Hanna-Barbera sound effect CD, a thing that I owned as a child and loved. Own. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite things. That first bar brawl is so funny to me because they walk into the Tartown bar and there's a record scratch and all the dinosaurs look at them, right? Amazing. What are those? Oh, my. What a bunch of freaks. Mick is like our Frady Cat character, despite the fact that he looks like he's a high school 32 years yeah. old and, yeah, like is dressed and looks and has the hair of that in every other piece of media from this time signified like hot, cool guy. Yeah. But his every line is. Oh, I'm scared of this and I don't <laughs> like it and oh I don't like this whatsoever. I do sort of love I wish it was embodied in someone who didn't look quite so much like a Lawrence brother. <laughs> Cause it is sort of a fantasy I have within myself that they get in a bar brawl and a one a dinosaur or a Rocky or whatever has grabbed Jamie and Jamie's like, Help me, Mick and he's like, What do I do? And she's like, Get violent and he punches him and looks at his fist with like a mad eye. It's like Wow. I got a loaded gun. Oh wow, fighting's easy. Yeah, he <laughs> this get, is awesome. Yeah, he gets he's all thatted. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's all that. He he's all that into like he then becomes a fighter at the level of Rex and Tops, yeah. who we are told are good fighters. And then shown are yeah, quite good yeah. fighters. I there's so many brawls in this movie. Yeah, and yeah it's the, a lot of fighting. It doesn't quite hit emotionally because it is you just looking at like latex faces take punches and that does have diminishing returns. But it's also like, their movement is limited in those big suits. Yeah. But not as much as I expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very true. I thought we were I thought I was gonna see Kaiju Big Battle, and what I got was 
pretty middle era Power Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. And if you've seen either of those things, you understand the difference. <laughs> Reason enough to trash talk the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in your tagline. Like, Honestly, no, yeah, not yeah. not as cool, but like, you know, you're you're within the ballpark, definitely. To talk about the fighting, it is the one thing this movie does legitimately well. Yes. yes. No jokes is good. The fight like, choreography is good, which is fucking bonkers <laughs> that they made sure that the fight choreography looks really good. Did not do another pass of the script. No. Do, did not figure to maybe, I don't know, give some extra money to the costume people so that the foam rubber doesn't just flop around. <laughs> Obviously showing that these things are made of absolute nonsense. Like... Eh. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I it like worked. these priorities. It's, it's the, honorable. It's the priorities, priorities of an yeah. Italian producer. So, <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, they go through that bar brawl, and Tops and Rex decide to join them on their adventure to save Sore City, and then they all After just a like lot go of back. And... A good, a good negging. Look, Rexy and I are doing fine. It's not our problem, babe. You know, I'm really disappointed in you. The Rex I used to know would have left you the chance to get out of this dump and be a hero. But the truth is you only think of yourself. And then they all go back to Fori's apartment. <laughs> Which is, Which is an so incredible why set. Did they do that? Yeah, it's a great set. Casey, I mean, why it's... did they do that? So that they could sell the Forey's Treehouse Apartment <laughs> playset to kids. Well, that's the thing. It's Yo, en- it's Endor. Fucking yeah, I'd buy the that would have been that. so sick. But it's also Endor. Like it has oh. all the Endor scenes. It's Endor. I don't it's know. Did just... Endor have a little elevator that was powered by littler <laughs> dinosaurs <laughs> that went flappy, flappy, flappy? Wait a minute, Rex. You can't be thinking of going. I got a better idea. We can make a lot of money here in Tartown. Has it ever occurred to you there's more to life than just money? Well, no. But what about the Rocky Patrols? Uh, I know a secret way to Source City. Come on, guys. One thing we didn't talk about is Topps' voice. Mr. Howell? <laughs> yes. He annoyed me way more than Ford. Yes. He annoyed me I way more than Ford. His, his bits never worked. He no, sounded like a, a little. He sounded like an Edward G. Robinson playing a foppish millionaire. It was really yeah. insane. Most of the characters in this movie are some breed of lower class New Yorkers. <laughs> a lot of vaudeville roots in Adventures in <laughs> yes! City. Wow, yeah. yeah. A lot of people work into the Catskills during the summer. More like the Saber Catskills. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Flory? <laughs> and then, yeah, and then we have the millionaire. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> as the second in command. As the ninja martial arts expert. Yeah. And then you have Patrick, who's just like, do less, guys. Like, we're good. Less is more. <laughs> yes. That's why, look, friend of the podcast, Pat, you, you brought pathos to Rex and Mr. Big. Yeah. Well, oh, wait a minute. All right. I'll, 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 I'll rewind that a little bit. <laughs> to Rex, definitely. Mr. Big. What a, I don't even know. Well, well. I came to check the construction and got something even bigger. I think it's time to show the citizens of Saw City the follies of insurrection. Especially when my plans are so close to fruition. Right! What does that mean? What it means is I want you to organize a squad to take that Tyrannosaurus and anyone who's aiding him. 
We'll start with a little flapping eruption first. This is the villain of the movie, right? Is he? Uh, well, that's a great question, Josh, because he is disintegrated out the movie with about 30 minutes left in the movie. Right? It's bananas. And half of the scene, the big reveal that he's actually a dinosaur is revealed like offhandedly Hell three yeah, scenes sure before isn't. they actually reveal it, right? But it's like his first couple scenes are just him in a big robe. As if he's not a dinosaur, but yeah. we're like, that's Which a dinosaur. No, he's a dinosaur. In my mind, they did not have the finished puppet in time. And, <laughs> <laughs> and well, right. so, that makes sense because his reveal happens in ADR, where he's like, in there's ADR. no reason for me to be hiding who I am anymore. Oh my and God. It to him oh being a dinosaur. <laughs> It's like me as a 16-year-old making movies when there's a continuity error. And so I go back and just shoot inserts of people either picking up or throwing off their shirt, <laughs> like the overshirt. That's filmmaking. Ugh. Also, Mr. Big doesn't really make any sense as a as a baddie name. Yeah. Like, why is he Mr. Big? I mean, why, was he, Mr. Right. why is he Mr. Big in, in Sex and the City? I don't know. Truly, I don't know. I didn't watch We know why he's in Sex and the City. This done. Wow. Jamie, you innocent, innocent <laughs> creature. <laughs> We know why. Mr. Big in this movie had a big dino dick, we think. <laughs> Mr. Big's motivation is stupid and asinine, which I think does continue to support Jamie's idea that this is fan fiction written by a 14-year-old, mm. a, a quote-unquote yes. 14-year-old. Right, and then Rex takes Timmy off to teach him about the father who's a traitor, <laughs> the, the threat of which will be tied off very quickly. <laughs> yeah. in Rex, right? It's so inconsequential. <laughs> in quick succession. I was barely out of my egg when my father fought the battle that freed us from the Allosauruses, and the people of Source City presented him with the key to the city gates. But one Allosaurus survived. Mr. Big, he attacked again, and my father made a deal with him. He turned over Source City right in front of the city gates, and they left this key lying in the dirt. It's so inconsequential, uh, and it's so obvious. Yes. It's, like, it's like, I'm the main character. My dad's a traitor. I can't believe it. it seems yeah, he so was a hero right up until this one moment where he was a traitor. <laughs> yeah, and then I he never disappeared. talked to him about it. I never said anything. He disappeared. I hate my father. Unless someone in a bar says he's a traitor. Then I'll get in a brawl. For <laughs> and then they get in a brawl again. Yeah, they yeah. get in a brawl, brawl again. part two. This movie, oh, it just takes... It's so long to do everything. <laughs> and Mick, thankfully, has a really OP stick. There's too many, we're dead! It's okay, Mick. Got the remote control. But he does have a magic remote control, which is Oh my god, amazing. the biggest... That's another thing. You forget you have this, and you're like, oh yeah, we should do something with that remote control. What can remotes do? A remote of pausing. Oh yeah, they use the <laughs> TV remote to... To pause. And, and rewind. Oh like, and, yeah, anything, that's true. Anything a remote can do, it can do. I wish they leaned so into that it. more heavily. There's a yeah. lot... No, there's a lot of things I wish they leaned into that. I wish that was used more. The concept of what if every 
everything we've ever imagined exists as a world. I'm like, holy crap, that's such a good idea for a movie. Why aren't we exploring this movie? <laughs> well, because yeah. we built all the sets. This was 90s. This was end of history. 80s was the time for creating genuine childlike wonder, right? Mm-hmm. And 90s was the time for writing movies to create childlike wonder that were about childlike like, wonder, <laughs> especially in interaction with childlike wonder creating media right yeah. so it's like it's like the 90s was all about yeah the page masters the fucking just like you as the kid are the main character now diving into our movie which you already love a kid in king arthur's court <laughs> last action yes. hero yeah. <laughs> yes it was that was what it was and it makes sense right because there has actually been a generation raised in the video store there's a level of film criticism and syndication and things that and nostalgia but nostalgia gets you only so far right because there's always been nostalgia nostalgia has always existed but the 80s into the 90s is the first sort of 10 years it's the first decade where there's more than 13 channels (laughs) (laughs) yeah you finally have the ability to, to rent and see any movie pretty much any time you want to in your own house. Previously, it had to either mm, be yeah. aired on television or come to your local cinema and you had to fucking stay awake for it. Mm-hmm. Now you could record it. You could be asleep and you could set a timer to record it. You can go to the video store. You could get a catalog, rent it. You have 10 years where people are like, wow, it's amazing how, how much we have at our fingertips. And then 10 years later, they're like, Shit, there's a lot of ideas that have already been done. Uh, <laughs> shit. Oh, fuck. Okay. Um, mm. We go into the movie. Ah, we go into the movie now. That way we use all the tropes. We're like Troposaurus Rex. What? <laughs> no! Uh, sorry. <laughs> Bory, that one was a little sweaty. Even Bory, you for just you. can't say Asaurus Rex at the end. Of- Hi, it's me again, Bory. I'm back in all my lovable grotesquerie. I bet you're curious to hear the story of how I saved Rex the kids in all of Sore City, huh? <laughs> well, I swooped in to tell the tale myself. And that's tail with an eye to make it hilarious. After the fight, I took my bat-powered dumbwaiter down to the docks, where I found everyone standing around stunned. Turns out just before I showed up to complain, Timmy had been egg-napped by the Rockies, who also got their hairy paws on a powerful weapon they called a remote. So I suggested the team go undercover to get inside Mr. Big's tower and rescue Timmy. And Rex agreed. Everyone ran off, but I saw Mick stay behind and scoop up some long, smooth-looking rocks that had fallen out of the back of the remote. Later, Timmy told me he was being sped along on Mr. Big's Triceratops train. And while the awful Allosaurus laughed at nothing in particular, (laughs) that rock-headed Rocky Link couldn't get the remote to work. 
turns out he needed those smooth rocks. He told Timmy to make it work or else Mr. Big might give him a reward. And then the editor cut to the lava pit to remind us <laughs> that Mr. Big had used a reward-based death quip earlier. So Link's confusing bit of dialogue had, in fact, been a threat. And not to be outshined by the rest of the movie, the editor then used a diamond wipe to show the rest of us sneak onto Mr. Big's tower elevator and head to the sub-basement. Since there were two guards in front of the prison cells, Top suggested we send in the broad. So we suddenly all started tearing at Jamie's clothing. The now scantily clad teenage girl stepped forward to seduce the horny apes with the promise of what we in Sore City call the Dilophosaurus (laughs) three-way. But Jamie bashes their heads in with a club and grabs the cell keys. And while I thought that was all hubba hubba wow, (laughs) this somehow challenged mixed masculinity. I'll never understand humans. (laughs) While we were opening cells looking for Timmy, we found Rex's father, the so-called traitor of Sore City. Rex is momentarily cold to the father he barely knew, but when Dino Dad said he had actually been drugged with a mind potion into giving up the city, Rex somehow believes it and (laughs) embraces him. Dadasaurus says they must destroy the tower and plans to pull open the cab, holding the lava below the tower, while Rex continues on our mission. I wasn't sure why destroying the tower was so important, but then he said, it's the only way, and that's all anyone ever needs to hear. Well, Top stays behind to release the other prisoners, a kind elevator control booger tells us Mr. Big has Timmy up on the top floor, and we arrive to see the Jurassic jerk dangling the poor kid over the lava a pit demanding to know how the remote works without considering the architectural inconsistency of the lava pit being up on the top floor (laughs) rex tackles mr big and begins to fight the rockies while mick dives to grab the rope holding timmy jamie kindly stores me somewhere safe for the next several minutes of punches connecting with blank grunting latex faces it's almost too much for rex as mr big and the rockies are pushing him towards the pit Even Jamie goes in to grab the remote, but we almost forgot there was another woman in the story, (laughs) which means they have to fight each other. (laughs) And Bedrock Betty Boop slaps and wrestles the remote away from Jamie. All seems lost. But that's when Topps shows back up. Mick gets a swift bone to the back of the head from Mr. Big's little person pet, or... And I'm gonna regret this joke, his salacious thumb. (laughs) 
and drops Timmy, but Tops dives and catches the kid before helping Rex with some shockingly nimble kicks for a Triceratops with thighs that thick. <laughs> Rex gets some heroically meaningful knockout punches in on Mr. Big, but with those batteries back from Mick, it's Timmy who gets the final blow, and he hits the disintegrate character button that I'm sure is on every human remote control. I thought it was a Toshiba, but maybe it was a Hiroshima. Fori, no! no. Fori's gone too uh, far! No. This is Fori after dark. Oh, what did it get weird in here? Did, did Fori just see Oppenheimer? What's happening? Fori thinks comedy's the last place the liberal woke mob is coming. Last bastion of free speech. Anyway, now it's time for Fori's big hero moment. You see, Mr. Big was using the fuse that Sore City needed to stave off lava death to power his elevator, which added insult to extinction. <laughs> so if we pull the fuse, we couldn't take the elevator, and taking the stairs wouldn't get us back in time to save the city. So I told them, even though I hadn't flown since my accident, I was gonna fly the fuse back to Source City, which was heroic enough to get me a kiss from the slutty cave woman. <laughs> I was scared to fly, but I knew all I had to do was make a poorly conceived play on words and jump. So I said, talk about a crash course, and flew all the way back to Source City. We made it back just in time to plug in the fuse, which took a second because no one with forearms helped me do it. <laughs> and even though the fuse was back in and the lava was stopped, the portal back to Timmy, Mick, and Jamie's world had not opened. Turned out all they needed was the remote <laughs> they had from the very beginning. So, in every conceivable way, this story was meaningless. <laughs> Timmy's the one who's not ready to go back to Dullsville, as he says it. But Rex tells him to go be a king in his own world. And then they jump back in the portal, pop back out in their world, just in time for mom and dad professor to come home <laughs> from their convention where they were laughed at for not having, you know, proven that a squashed orange <laughs> is proof of interdimensional travel. <laughs> and Timmy says, have I got something to show you? The end. It's the most anticlimactic Wizard of Oz ever, where it's like, oh, you did all these things, but you could have gone home, <laughs> like, the beginning, because you have it. Oh, did no one tell you? The oh, secret no. is inside your remote control. It's so OP. It's like all stakes are wiped away time after time by this magical remote that Timmy has been carrying the entire <laughs> time. Yeah, you're right. It removes all tension and drama from the film. It yep. literally wipes the antagonist away from the movie. Uh, hey, Big! Dude. 
That was insane. What was that? Was that what? the delete recording button on the TV? Yeah, like, what <laughs> button could Wait, it have real, been? Real question. Did they just forget to get insert shots of Timmy hitting buttons on the remote? Probably. Like, just completely forgot about it and then Listen, never the did AD it. Listen, the AD was like, we can get these inserts or we can do some more karate chopping for tops. And they're like, we got to do tops. We got, we, we need tops. Yeah. It would have been so funny if it was like the joke in Snakes on a Plane, like when the when he throws the snake in the microwave and he hit very quickly, there's an insert of the microwave button and it says snake. Yeah. It says like popcorn preheat snake, right? If it was like, if he paused the caveman and saw him hitting a pause button and then rewinded the, all the Rockies and saw him hit and rewind and then there was just kill bad guy or something. Right? Like, that's what this movie does, right? Is re- constantly reveal why what you've been watching for the past 50 minutes was unimportant. Yeah. How many kids movies though end with the bad guy getting disintegrated at the hands of the protagonist? Mm. I feel like that is a step too far. Rex is set up to do the killing has the emotional yeah. arc that makes it make sense for him to be the one to finish off Mr. Big. And yet this fucking dingbat kid <laughs> who has no business doing any killing. What a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he, he takes it away. Yeah, he's sniping his kill. Yeah. He's like, okay, okay, I got it. And then the kid respawns next to it and goes like, it's wild and he really like he becomes a skeleton and then disab- like he dies like crazy <laughs> dies, he dies totally if there's a heaven he doesn't even get to go to it it's- he does not even become fossil fuels later in life because <laughs> oh, right. there are Useless. no bones left behind for it today it was no bones <laughs> give me a claw that guy was the piss I hope that's where we went uh guys we got a problem here What's wrong? This fuses the power for the whole building. If I disconnect it, the elevators won't work. So we'll take the stairs. But we can't take the stairs. It's six three flights. We've got just enough time to make it back to Source City. You bet we'll make it. But how? You guys take the elevator now, and I'll fly the fuse down when you reach the bottom. But, Forty, you can't... Come on, Timmy. Let's get out of here. Look, kid, your concern is touching. To say nothing of a new direction, but get out of here now. My favorite part of watching this movie was like 45 minutes in when Josh was just like, this foreign guy is starting to get to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. God, Fury gets all the good jokes and some of the bad ones. Most of the bad ones. <laughs> but people keep asking more Fory. When is Fory coming back on the podcast? God damn. Yeah, it's like both too much, but also never used well, like importantly. The fact that Fory never, I mean, he does, I guess, at the very end have some He is the thing one on the who plot, knows but, how the fuse works. Apparently but, no one else knows how the fuse works. But then the fuse means absolutely nothing. Uh, it, no, it means that they don't get like covered in hot lava. It's it does save Sword City. Uh, City. Yeah, but none of that would have mattered if they escaped anyway and then yada yada yada. Well, that's to say it wouldn't have mattered to Timmy, Mick, or Jamie, but I don't know, but that's the question of this movie. I, I is guess this a is. world that is just existing? Wait, does it exist when they leave? Like, it's almost like the cartoons are kind of like base text upon which the world is built. Like, is there still a life being lived? 
right now between Rex and Tops. If a Fory makes a joke in the forest and no one is around to hear it. <laughs> Does it make a sound? A forest? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Fory's come back around for me. I'll have him again. <laughs> <laughs> Check out the tube. Sam, you think you can turn that thing off better than you turned it on? Sure. Come on, you guys, let's go. Boom, shaka laka laka, boom, shaka laka laka, boom, shaka laka laka, boom. Oh, lizards come around and slimy scales are scattered around. When Mr. Big becomes a story, call on Rex and Tops and Forey dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Dinosaurs. <laughs> I cannot understand this part, but before the rip-off report card, it's dinosaurs. <laughs> rip-off report card. The Adventures in Dinosaur City ripoff report card is brought to you by the It's a Living Employment Agency. Are you a talking prehistoric animal? Are you finding it hard to hold down a desk job? Well, at the It's a Living Employment Agency, we have the perfect job for you. Everything from lawnmower to dishwasher to factory whistle. When you hate what you do, you'll never not work a day in your life. For a movie that's seemingly been memory hold, Adventures in Dinosaur City has some ambitious production value behind it. Sure, I will admit that the dinosaur heads have about as much as articulation as the turtle heads from the TMNT coming out of their shells live tour, but they tried, <laughs> damn it! Sadly, there is very little information about the making of this forgotten masterpiece, but here is what I did find. The dino designer and puppeteer, Greg Aronowitz has worked as a prop designer and model maker on a laundry list of awesome projects, including Jurassic Park The Lost World and Batman and Robin, and more recently, The Boys and Star Trek Picard. And perhaps most importantly to me, he built the props for the music video for Felicia Day's The Guild. Ooh. That's the one that's important to you. <laughs> important to me. The creature creator and second unit director, John Criswell, went right from this to Henson's Dinosaur series. He also worked on Theodore Rex, so I guess he became the anthropomorphic dinosaur guy? To this very day, he works at the Jim Henson Creature Shop. The director of the Dinosaurs cartoon sequence, Jordan Rychek, started his career on Ren and Stimpy before moving on to such 90s kids' favorites as Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, and Golden Age Simpsons. That makes so much sense. That yeah, opening right. is so Ren and Stimpy. And last but certainly not least is the co-writer, Lisa Morton. Her very first screenwriting credit is one of our previous assignments, Meet the Hollowheads. <laughs> she also wrote the Skydancers cartoon based on the toy line of the same name, as well as Dragonflies with a Z based on a similar toy line targeted to boys. <laughs> In addition to screenwriting, Lisa Morton has written several nonfiction books and is a self-proclaimed Halloween and paranormal expert. She is the author of such acclaimed and award-winning books as Ghosts, colon, A Haunted History, Calling the Spirits, colon, A History of Seances, Trick or Treat, colon, A History of Halloween, <laughs> and The Halloween Encyclopedia. She has appeared in numerous documentaries on CBS, ABC, NBC, The History Channel, The Travel Channel, and more, and has guested on dozens of radio shows and podcasts. You can even hear her ghost reports weekly on the popular podcast Ghost Magnet with Bridget Marquat. 
It's a little sad to me that this movie hasn't had a larger cultural impact, but I can at least take some solace in the knowledge that so much of the film's behind-the-scenes talent went on to do great things. As a wise dishwasher once told me, it's a living! <laughs> <laughs> and that has been the Adventures in Dinosaur City Ripoff Report Guard. Uh, I'm just gonna say rip off report card and then make whoever's <laughs> editing play yeah. the theme from Dinosaurs here. Thank you. When Rockies come around display, wicked wits and evil games, the policy shows its mighty force, and puts us on the righteous cause. <laughs> I'm not clapping. You didn't do the work there. All right, dinos. That was Adventures in Dinosaur City. Whether Triassic, Jurassic, or Cretaceous, there's no era in seeing this movie. Am I right? Uh, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> there it is. So tell me what from Adventures in Dinosaur City might end up on the final test. I was so tickled by a review I read of this movie that had a line in it that said, it's all a great deal of fun, but at 88 minutes, it may be a bit too wearing for very small children, which is not wrong, but also like how much shorter can a movie legally be? <laughs> This is a dystopian dinosaur future movie that I can get behind. <laughs> Move aside, Super Mario. <laughs> you talked about wanting this movie to have a bigger cultural impact, but in 1992, a video game developer released a game that was loosely based on adventures in Dinosaur City called Dino City for the what? Super NES. What? Excuse me, sounds of Josh running out of the room to find a copy to play. Could you use your actual TV's remote on the game to just sort of like Konami code your way out of the final boss battle? Now that's meta. This movie moves so slow, it was less a Tyrannosaurus and more a Taiwakasaurus. <laughs> oh, wow. For he never leave. Stay here forever. Okay. Bye! I know a place that's near tomorrow where dreams can come true. And the bell means the end of our class on the adventures in Dinosaur City. Next lesson, we are going to cover 1992's, if you believe, Google Sci-Fi slash Sci-Fi Split Second, starring Rutger Hauer. So, that's your assigned screening. And check us out on our social medias at Video High Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. From all of us in the class, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, Greg Hansen, and myself, Casey Regan. Thank you, Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore for our theme song. Thank you, Justin Ferraro, for the rest of our music. Thank you, Ann Shearer, for our logo. And thank you, Mr. Philip Marlowe, our teacher. See you next class, everybody. Do you Zoom therapy? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs>
Future. <laughs> left, left, right, right. Uh, hump, uh, hump, uh, hump, uh, future. future. Thunder, future. Thunder, <laughs> Thunder, Thundering. Simple Equations Podcast Network.